Hi, it's uh, Brew Cub, and here we are at Urban Family at, out in Seattle. Um, we have a special guest today. We've got uh, Andy here. He's, his role is what? Operations manager? Um, Co-owner, director of operations. Co-owner, yeah. director. Yeah, I don't know. All around cool guy. All around cool guy. <laughs> Social media. Social media. Food truck wrangler. <laughs> That's um, what I want to hear. A jack yeah. of all trades. Yeah. And uh, we've got Dark Pony, Highlander, and Black Hat up here. And uh, yeah, we're just having a really great time. This is uh, a first time experience for, I think, yeah, a few of us here being at the actual facility. My, my first time here, yeah. And, um, we've all had the Urban Family beer, and Xander's actually, or Highlander's actually dealt with it quite a bit. Um, a lot of you guys. <laughs> well, and I came up here not too long ago. And, I'm trying to remember the guy who I met, but he hooked it up. I think it was oh, the yeah. sales manager. Oh, JD. Yeah. Yeah. JD's rad. JD was super nice. Yeah. Tried pretty much everything you guys had. Sweet man. <laughs> yeah. Cool. I mean, we've. Yeah, our team is so different. I worry when people are like, "Oh, I met this guy." I'm like, I have no idea who it was because we've changed. Yeah. Since January, everybody's name. So. That's crazy. Yeah. A lot of transition. Yeah, it was mostly like old ownership. Uh, so I'm one of the newer owners. I took over kind of running things about a year ago. Gotcha. And then, uh, uh, yeah, just kind of working on building the team and changing a bunch of stuff. And I'm sure people or hope people have noticed how much we've changed in the last year. I definitely have. <laughs> As someone who's sold you guys for at least two and a half years, like, I was noticing the lack of movement with the original stuff you guys were putting out. It was really high quality, but price-wise, it was a little above most people's price point for like a 375. Yep. And then you made some adjustments and made stuff a little more affordable while still maintaining quality and made it a lot more accessible. Yeah. So I'm assuming that was more old management that was pushing for that. That was one of the questions I had. Yeah. For you. <laughs> that change because yeah, it helps a lot. Like, yeah. Um, I think. When I, sorry, did you guys want to say more stuff before I go into all this? No, it's fine. <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, it's how we dwell anyway. Yeah, okay, definitely. Cool. Uh, Just jump right in. Away. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So when I showed up, um, I kind of came into a lot of interesting challenges and a lot of opposing mindsets over yeah. how how things should go. Um, and I really worked. I mean, I brought my attitude in here of like, I want to own Seattle, like. It's silly that we're not on every, you know, in every bar mm-hmm. that serves craft beer and, uh, you know, that we don't know everybody we possibly could to, like, move the product and stuff like that. Um, and so I kind of listened to everybody that was buying our beer, like, what was the complaint? Like, you know, you don't have half barrel kegs, like, we could sell you better if you're in half barrel. Um, you know, the... Just simply to push, like, something on, like, say, like a, a 40... Tap list type of bar. Yeah, or, or like, like a higher rotation. Yeah, level. like Brave Force doesn't want to be swapping six stoles every five seconds yeah. and you know stuff like that. So just having like that is a one thing that we put in place. Um, yeah, and the price points were a little tough, but just kind of re, you know, figuring how we do things and how we package and um, you know ratios of packaging and things like that to really move product faster in Washington and not have to rely on out-of-state distribution as much, um, which was kind of the original and, like, design behind things, but uh, the way I, I envisioned us being more successful is to really focus on Seattle, really focus on our tap room, our, cu- 
customers that are here every day, um, and hopefully win people over that. You think having more success in the home market means more success out of state? Or were it's you an guys already question. doing that? Uh, you know, out of we pulled we pulled back a lot. I would say we pulled back about five hundred percent from out of state Jeez. distribution. Like I mean, where it went, it totally flipped on its head. It was about ninety ten. It's the other way now, uh, and that's a big thanks to like our distributor too. Is like we they said, here's what sells, here's what you guys are doing well, here's what's not going as well, and we have a plan around that. Putting together that plan and getting that out there, they weren't kidding. Like you know, the stuff that, and then it allows us to invest further in all these barrels that you see, and like our fooder and stuff like that. It abides us some time to kind of set some stuff aside and wait for it to, to you know, really do things like further what we want to do. Long-term yeah. People don't really envision right up front. Yeah, and that's the tough thing. Production schedules that are six months out, like uh, yeah. beer collaborations that are three months out, things that having the ability to do things like that too, not being bogged sure. down with what you need to manualize. Do we want to do the normal and talk about what we're drinking and then get back into questions, or are we just yeah, uh, doing it differently? I mean, we're drinking some really awesome stuff here. Um, I've always been a huge fan of Urban Family's beer, um, always pushing the envelope, and I think um, Urban Family's probably one of the pioneers out in Seattle as far as doing different types of beer. Um, for our listeners that aren't familiar with Urban Family, um, we've got everything from farmhouse sales to Belgian style to, you know, really amazingly uh, well-done IPAs um, and, and some nice, like, barrel-aged approach stuff, and I think we've got, like, a wide array of what you guys put out here on the table. Yeah. Um, but we can start with Black Eye. What are you drinking? Uh, Tropic Heart. So this is going to be a sour ale with uh, mango and passion fruit, right? And the, the mango is, is definitely there. I mean, and it's not like, it's, I mean, it, it's not overbearingly sweet or anything. I mean, it's just, it's tart, but the mango is still present on the nose. Passion fruit a little bit. Well, I'm just nose. looking at this beer. It looks like you juiced mangoes it, it, and then it, put a tiny bit of carbonation in it. It, it, it <laughs> seriously does look just like like straight it's puree. Straight straight juice. juice. And that's what, you know, there's... there's so yeah, I'm like, tasting that beer. I mean, I got literally mango the way I really want to taste yeah. a mango. I mean, but then the passion fruit tartness on the back end is kind of nutty, which I love. The, the, the passion fruit really does balance it out because it's not just like mango tends to be well, it can be sweet, really sweet, sweet yeah. to it, sweetness to it, and this is just it's still very very tart. And uh, I mean, I can I can drink this all damn day. Yeah. This is incredible. <laughs> I love so that, I was like, I was excited for this one. I'd seen I think uh, on on, the, on your Instagram post. And yeah. On, from family, I've seen it. I was like, that's, that's the one I want to try. I mean, amongst other ones that I've already had, yeah. and I want to try, but this is the one, and, and it's a fucking home run for me. This is awesome. So, is it puree extract? Uh, it's puree. So we use we try and use as much like real fruit as possible, um, and I don't think we've ever used an extract or anything like that. It's all been um, except for like one off like dosing a keg to test flavor profiles and things like that, but. Uh, yeah, when we're trying to move more towards whole fruit, use some local suppliers. Um, but yeah, we source that mango from a supplier down in California. We tested about eight different kinds of mango to find the profile, the flavor. It's Alfonso mango. Alfonso. Oh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, and then uh, uh, Oregon supplier for the passion fruit. Uh, yeah. 
just trying to create a good balance. It's the same base beer as our Heart of Stone, which is our apricot plum sour, yeah, with nice culture yeast. Yeah, so same kind of pH level, uh, bread and uh, single strain bread and saison yeast blend. So this has single strain bread in it, and I think the mango overwhelms it. Yeah, you, you get the tartness, but I'm, I don't get like that woody. Well, I guess the tropical aspect is gonna get lost in this beer too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't get any of the woodiness or any of the dryness from Brett because yeah, it's so juicy. For sure, and it's like it's just more of kind of a, a depth thing that we hope to bring out in every beer. Like you don't really notice it, but it brings a different level to it in a stainless sour that's you know more complex it's got and interesting. Good dynamic, definitely. Yeah, you feel like this helps even dry it out because I know it's, it's juicy, but it's not like this lingering kind of like residual almost sweetness that's like oh I can only have like four or six ounces and, that, and that's why like you usually you, you drink you know a lot of you know the, the acidity is kind of like oh you know I gotta stop or if it's too sweet or and you know some that use extract it just yeah it just stays lingering in your mouth and you don't want to drink more than you know a half pour or you start getting weird flavors yeah, that this, shouldn't be this associated is just, like, completely, I mean for me I mean it's just completely palatable it doesn't coat your tongue with just like residual mess from like all the fruits and everything Solid beer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. very solid one. Yeah. I'm a big fan of it. <laughs> yeah. Islander, you got something else there? Yeah, uh, pink and amazing looking thing. <laughs> I don't remember what this is called, but it's, it's delicious ambiguity. Delicious ambiguity. It's a strawberry basil saison. Raspberry basil. Raspberry basil. Good thing someone here knows what he's <laughs> talking about, because I clearly don't. But uh, yeah, it's really nice, fruity up front. Basil comes through. It's not overwhelming. It's not crazy herbal, and then a little peppery from the Saison yeast, mm-hmm. which, I mean, basil, maybe, is that a fresh batch? Detected on the nose. That one, sitting about a month out, so we're almost through on it. Yeah. A little more pepper than I would prefer for okay. something fruity like this, but, yeah. I mean, I still really like it. It's a beautiful beer. I think it's those herbal notes, like, in the background of the basil yeah. that you kind of the nose is perfect. I'd say sit on this one, warm it up. It's like maybe five, ten degrees. Yeah. It's probably sitting pretty close to fifty-five now. Basil comes out more. It's coming out more and more because when I first tasted, it, I got more pepper. Yeah. Coming back to it after five minutes, the raspberry is really, really clean up front. Pepper is not quite as noticeable. Can you guys hit the basil in the foil on this? Or no, this is all. Secondary? Yeah, secondary. Okay. Uh, so Rowan, when Rowan came up with that beer, he basically took a base saison that we had made, blended that in like 10 different growlers with 10 different fruit combinations, herb combinations from like cantaloupe, which was putrid and disgusting, to, you Putrid and disgusting. Putrid and disgusting. We really tried to start that one as a strawberry basil. We wanted to have like that summer salad yeah. kind of profile to it. Um, but the strawberries are picking up the the plasticky note, you know, and you get the, the seeds of the whole strawberry in there, it can get kind of weird. So strawberry seeds have diacetyl in them naturally, so yeah, well they have to a, work with. What's the, man, I can't come up with the top of my head. Uh, it's not diacetyl. It's not diacetyl, it's got a, forget what the name is. Phenolic. Phenolic, yeah. Phenolic acid in Phenolic the seeds, acid. yeah. So it, it just starts to pull out and taste like, tastes like rubber. Yeah, no, that's what give you out like burnt water hose, rubber. Yeah, 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 yeah. That that kind of profile. So we steered away from that and went with a, a raspberry because it just has more 
it almost raspberry is kind of like that red berry flavor. Strawberry is yeah. just like the strawberry beers I've seen out and tasted. It's just like it's such a difficult beer or fruit to lend a beer because yeah. it's such a water saturated fruit. Yeah. Same with watermelon. You got your and if you look at some of these cucumber beers too, it's the same with like <laughs> yeah. like It's funny when I look at some breweries, like the, the smarter approach in a lot of ways is like just dehydrate it. Dehydrate the fruit and, and Handful How do you dehydrate a watermelon, though? Is that yeah. possible? Well, you, can't, you can dehydrate <laughs> a strawberry, but you can't, yeah, there's not enough cell structure in uh, actual watermelon. That's an enigma, my friend. <laughs> At that point, now, I think, if I'm not mistaken, there's there's now been, like, extract powders and stuff like that. Yeah. Watermelon stuff, which is beyond me as to how they actually make or manufacture that stuff. Science, man. Science beyond, beyond our realms, for sure. What are you sipping on, Dark Pony? Um, I'm sipping on the Guafsicle, which um, I want to say was out when I came here last, was it? For the uh, Death to Cereal release? No, that was, that? Uh, was that, that was Sickle. Oh, wait, that was Lime Sickle, probably. Lime Sickle. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I hadn't had it. Um, so, what are we looking at? It's, it's guava, lactose, yep. um, vanilla, vanilla, and citra. And citra. So, it's. It's, it's all of those things most definitely. Very nice, creamy. Lactose isn't too overbearing. I'm not getting a lot of slickness in the mouth. Yeah. Um, lava aromas are phenomenal. Um, Color just yeah. looks like... I just want to bathe in it. I mean, honestly, <laughs> it's just like a very refreshing kind of beer. Yeah, it, it looks like yeah. flower milk. Yeah. Yeah. The lactose yeah. de- definitely does change the whole like mouthfeel to it, not in a bad way. There is no slickness, but it's just like a creamier feel to it, which I which I enjoy. The capacity definitely screams um, some sort of ice cream. Oh yeah, that'd be a fun thing to make into ice cream. <laughs> yeah, slushy just, machine. Just, just freeze yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> just make you should just make an ice box with it and then get your frozen uh, get your frozen fridges and make stuff. <laughs> <laughs> that'd be awesome. What are you drinking, Andy? So this one's, I kind of specifically poured this one because it's weird. It's fun to talk about. Um, so this is Ruby. Uh, Ruby started off as kind of a double-inspired pomegranate uh, saison. So it had some candy sugar, some pomegranate, concentrate, uh, and then uh, we put in some lacto-pedio and uh, bread to kind of do something with it. So it's been in the bottle right now for about six months. So we just released it. Um, kind of went through its whole life cycle of interesting flavors. It's got a really funky, complex nose and a very tart, like sour, uh, I don't know, just profile to it. It's, some would say it's too tart. I think our brewers are like, it's very tart, you know, and they like tart stuff. I really enjoy it. I think it's it's as complex as you can get without introducing wood into the equation, right. and I like that. It's it, it's definitely a different way to do things that they kind of weren't uh, expecting to like as much as they do, and I and kind of changed their mind a little bit about you know what it takes to age out of beer. It doesn't necessarily mean it has to touch wood. It's just I love that philosophy. Yeah, it's like you can throw barrels around all day, but you can. So you can do one without it. Yeah. So you're saying this is a fresh beer, we should drink this now. Like, definitely. Yeah. I mean, it's only going to... The nice thing about our house yeast and like using these complex and interesting yeasts is like 
the beer continues to change. Like, it's not one of those things where you just have to, like, oh, it was better yesterday. It's like, it was this yesterday, it's going to be this tomorrow. It just depends on where you grab it. I do gotta say I appreciate that you drinking this out of a structures glass. <laughs> I love structures. Structures I'm actually, is great, dude. I'm actually from Bellingham, okay. uh, so I was up there a while, like right after structures opened. I think it was like three months, and I wandered in there, and they had their juice on juice, like they're doing the style, their first like really hazy doing the style IPA on. And uh, I took one sip of it, and I went back. I was a little drunk. I went back up to the bar, and I was like, "You guys are gonna be famous." <laughs> This is, yeah. nobody's doing this in Washington. Oh, yeah. Like, nobody is, a, like, Three Magnets is getting close, but yeah. I would say Structures is definitely winning on the, the Hayes front. Yeah, I mean, they're, so, I know James is from Vermont, or from the East Coast somewhere, maybe he was from Philly and moved to Vermont, but he, he worked in Vermont at some point, um, and he's just got a cool philosophy on brewing. I get talked to him a lot. I just like those people. This is actually like Rowan's glass that he bought just to have here so he can drink out of the structures. <laughs> so, yeah. Eventually we have to make a trip up there because, I mean, I've had yeah. plenty of structures beer. Awesome stuff. Yeah. In there. Yeah, they're great. And, I mean, just kind of the, the wide range of things they do I think is really cool. Um, they have a little bit of everything they try and, and they do it really well. So. I was up there for Bellingham Beer Week a few weeks ago and drink all the IPAs I could have and then also the Imperial Stout was phenomenal and we picked up a bottle of their first bottle of the Saison and had it on the podcast a bit ago and then and uh yeah we I think we had structures the other night but we didn't record it it was we were just always really good yeah it's a toss up going up there whether you go and drink a ton at structures or go to Chuckanut or right. or stop on the way and go to Skookum oh <laughs> My last visit, I went up to Skagit Valley just to go pick up, uh, just go pick up grain, um, and then went up and structures was closed. So I definitely oh, no. got bummed out. But yeah, I mean, Bellingham's just killing it. It's it's definitely give it two years or less. Yeah. yeah. Well, now Melbourne just opened too. Yeah, like, and there's Menace Brewing, which I haven't been yeah, to. Yeah, Menace. So that's a new one. Yeah, those people are super nice. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm. Just the amount of quality breweries that are in Washington is astounding. Oh, yeah. Like, it's just, you, know, you hear about it, like, I just talked to the, the brewer at the bars from At Large, Ben Everett, and, like, there's just so many cool things happening right now. And, like, people aren't doing the same stuff. Like, I love Figurehead, which is, like, right down the way from us. He's, they're doing, like, British ales and kind of using a heavy... East profile um, rooftop. I mean, when I first had some rooftop, I was like, "Yeah, this is like cool. It's like another Seattle brewery." But he's taken some risks on things lately that I'm just like, "Whoa!" Like you're pushing the envelope with a like a who would thought like a coffee pail would be like a really good beer. Like I hear coffee pail, I'm like, "Cool, coffee pail," but that is a solid beer. Right. Um, when I when I hear coffee IPA, most of the time I'm like, "That's probably really gross," but then like. The Three Magnets one yeah. that we had a bit ago was amazing. The Kenyan yeah. one? Yeah, yeah. Actually, Oscar Blues just put out one a bit ago, too. That was pretty awesome. Oh, it's like part of the Hot Box. Yeah. 
Washington pushing the envelope, and I mean, I know Brew Coven's all about this too, just getting everyone informed and really building community and getting people to really feel comfortable pushing the envelope in here. Um, interestingly enough, like I feel like we all come from such vast areas and all have different backgrounds, and, and it's really quite awesome to see breweries do successful things and, and get the attention of people outside of Washington. Because I know. California, you know, Texas, you know, Midwest, all, all places we've, we've been, um, lived, it's, it's definitely interesting coming out here. There's things where we're like, oh, why haven't we done this yet? But then it's like, well, maybe we don't need to do what everyone else has done. Yeah. So it's, it's definitely fun. But getting back on the urban family kick, um, yeah, we got a couple questions. Um, I'll go ahead and fire off with one real quick. Um, just just the transition, getting you guys uh, back to the business model that you're super stoked, obviously, about. Yeah. And, and uh, I don't know, you can tell us a little bit about Rowan and, and how he's helped kind of build out a lot of what your vision is and yeah. where you see yourself guys, like, going here in the next six months, year, uh, down the road. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so when I took over things about a year ago, like I said, it was just a big focus on, you know, let's own Washington, let's figure out how to do it, and, like, let's do it in the right way. Um, I mean, you could say some of our beers are gimmicky, but I feel like a big thing what you guys were talking about is you expect, like, a fruit beer to coat your mouth and be sugary and, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, we're trying to take a balanced touch to, like, most things, um, and hopefully everything, where we're producing a product that is widely consumable, it's not going to give you, like, it's like it's it's trying to hammer down a style but still have fun with it um, so when I took over uh, we had a uh, one of my older partners was one of the brewers and he has since left and Rowan kind of took the reins he was more in an assistant brewer position and uh, you know really came forward and his philosophy I don't want to speak too much for him, but he won't talk on tape. <laughs> uh, is like a balanced touch to everything, you know, like do something, but don't go overboard with it. Like really find a spot where, you know, I mean, he'll say like, if you're making beer that everybody likes, you're doing something wrong because you don't want to, uh, I don't know if he's waving at me. Anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, he really wants to take a balanced approach to everything. And, um, you know, through kind of the early parts of, late parts of last year, early parts of this year, he was the one steering the ship, kind of designing beers, bringing things out, and really doing a lot on his own um, with help where he could find it. Um, and then at the beginning of this year, uh, we found Isaac, who, Isaac came from New Belgium, um, had worked there for about five years, and Ron and I really made the decision of like, you know, who do we want to come in and help with this? Because we all have something to learn. I think Isaac coming from a bigger brewery, coming to a smaller one, like I think his eyes were giant for you know a month or so, and he's like, oh god, like there's not you know this in place or this in place or this in place that makes things like super easy. We understand. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I mean, you know, it's it's tough being a small brewery when you don't have, you know, all the resources you need to do the things that you want to do. 
Um, but I think we found a good balance. You know, Rowan, we had all had conversations. Isaac moved out here from Fort Collins. Um, the, the conversation was really around, like, who can grow us the best just as far as knowledge and passion and, and whatnot, and who can teach everybody something and can we teach him something. And I think we're all in a cool state right now of, like, learning and progressing and hopefully doing something uh, interesting and pushing the envelope. And I think that relates back to like that balance issue is like we want to push forward and Isaac said to me the other days like if I had it my way without Rowan all of our beers would be green. Just because, you know, I want to make them green. Like it's fun, let's make a green IPA, let's do this, let's do this, let's do this. Rowan's like, yeah, let's you know, let's pull it back, let's do, you know, you know, one gallon per barrel or this or that or just to change it up and make it so voice of reason, but still, yeah. still, still willing to like go beyond. Yeah. Yeah. Just we want to find a balance to everything. I mean, we're definitely brewing by committee here in a way where it's like we come together and we're like, what's the best approach for this? Because everything has, you know, a piece of everybody in it. And I think you know a big part of when I took over was, you know, what does Urban Family mean now? Like, what are what are we trying to Reflecting that with myself is like I want I want something that everybody makes. I don't want a dictatorship. I don't think beer is made by that. I think beer is made by communities, um, and I think that if you try and pigeonhole it or say, you know, I'm not going to pull a barrel off of this batch to throw in a barrel to see what it does in six months, right? Like you got to be willing to take those risks at some point, and yeah, we're going to screw up or. You know, something's not going to taste right. We're going to have to dump it down the drain. But I think at the end of the day, like, we learn something, and it makes the other beers that much better. So really my idea behind this whole philosophy is, like, working as a team, finding the right people, bringing them in at the right time, um, and hopefully translating that message to everybody that steps in the door or tries a beer on tap or buys a bottle or takes his bottle elsewhere. Yeah, I mean, I want you to see the porch swing and kind of reflect back on, you know, our logo is like, you know, that that stands for, you know, we're all working together, we're all coming together, it's a relaxed environment, Uh, and hopefully you enjoy the beer. Yeah, you know. I think we all agree on that. Yeah. <laughs> we all enjoy beers. Yeah, <laughs> beers are good. Uh, but yeah, did I answer your question? I like. Absolutely. To, I yeah. also like to ramble. Oh so. no, we, that, that's, <laughs> that's what we need. Yeah. That's why you start a podcast? Start a we, podcast we all and then you just let someone talk. And they just let talk. talk. There you go. We get to drink and ramble all we want since we don't know. You know, it's, it's a place to ramble. So awesome. And uh, Islander, you got something you wanna? Got something new. And I haven't tasted it yet. Which one's that? Uh, the Originator Double IPA. Nice. What are the hops on this guy? Uh, it's a closely held secret. No, uh, <laughs> <clears throat> they're predominantly it's predominantly Cascade hop, which is the idea of the Originator name. Oh, okay. Um, so we wanted to take the original kind of like aroma hop and bittery hop that was used in a lot of Northwest beers, and kind of apply that in the New England style yeah. way, where it's like that late edition whirlpool. Uh, heavily dry hop. Um, it's got a little bit of Centennial in there, and uh, it's got a secret ingredient, which is uh, grapefruit zest. Late edition whirlpools. So we like that grapefruitiness of Cascade, but it's also 
you know, it's kind of the cascade of our youth, right? Like, the cascade we remember drinking was, like, that super great fruity forward West Coast, yeah. you know, hop. Um, so we zested a bunch of grapefruit through that in tune just nice. to kind of get a pop of that a little bit. This is really uh, tasty. It's definitely noticeable, and that's what I love. I mean, it's, it's a hazy IPA, so you get, like, that mouthful of a hazy IPA, but you cascade, like, you know, the, the grapefruit notes and also a little bit of pine, yeah. like, comes through. So it's kind of, it, that truly is, like, this an is, east and west. This is the West Coast region, for sure. Yeah, yeah. There's I get, definitely I get, my, I get my pine tree in my beer. Yeah, that's why. There's, de- there's definitely pine up in it. Oh, and that, like, like you said, exactly. It's like the pine tree haze. East, like, east and west right there. Yeah. And that's so I mean, the, na- the name is actually pretty perfect for that beer. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we, the first iteration of this base beer was called Replicator, which was Simcoe Amarillo Citra, I believe. Uh, yeah, and we kind of did that as like an homage to like what the hype hops are. Like we replicate the hops that we love and like they go in everything and stuff like that this was kind of the the step back and then the next one we have coming out is a a honey double IPA Um, so we use 60 pounds of clover honey and we're calling it pollinator (laughs) Uh, so everything in the double IPA realm ends in eater because we're dumb (laughs) and we like silly names and yeah, yeah. There's, there's a trend there. I can yeah. see it. The Asians and the, the Aiders. Yeah. There are so many Aiders that I would like to just word vomit right now. I'm not going to. <laughs> we don't need to go there. Yeah. Uh, Islander, you had some questions, right, Brandy? I mean, we already talked about the pricing difference a little bit. Oh, like, yeah. Because as someone who sells it, I just noticed that, and I noticed how much better it was now. Yeah. Um, I think the big thing about the pricing, just to go back to that, is like, you know, you have to find that balance between sell-through and, you know, I, I feel our product has a ton of value, but you've got to build trust, yeah. right? You have totally. to go, and it's not saying that, like, in a month, our beer is going to be more expensive or anything like that, but I want to make a product that somebody's comfortable going and buying and buying again and buying again. Well, you also have to have the name, like, somebody sees this new thing from our family that came out, and they're like... Oh, I know where the family makes good beer. I like their stuff. I'm gonna buy this. Not a question. It's like yeah. It also dials back sticker shock. I think like in, in this industry and, and when you're dealing with small breweries, there's sticker shock and they're like, oh, why would I spend this much on a seven fifty million bottle? Much less, you know, on a smaller format than that. And it's like, well, you, you trust this brand and I really love that vision and you trust it, you know what you're getting yourself into. It's like we do it with true, you know, yeah. all the time. We do it with, you know, yeah, all these areas. It's like, oh, the sticker shock. I, mean, I don't care. I'll pay fifty. Specifically, for like this. the fancy sauce series came oh, in, yeah. and they're retailing, I think, eighteen ninety nine, nineteen ninety nine a bottle for a three seventy five, and I couldn't move it, yeah. and it was really good. I just couldn't move it at that price for a three seventy five, and so we reduced the price on those, and we've actually moved through. I think we only have like one of each left. I'll buy it. Yeah, 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 and then you, you change the pricing and started putting out the stuff. And you're doing 500 mils for most of your stuff, right? Yeah, so we do 500 mils, and then we have a line of brewery-only stuff coming out in 750s. That's probably right around three to six months out at this point. Um, we did a collaboration with Ale Apothecary. Hell yeah. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. Apothecary. Yeah. Yeah. We did a base saison, kind of a tart saison, um, on... With Ale Apothecary and this small winery down in uh, Oregon called Minimus. They're in McMinnville, Oregon. Uh, and he does like natural wines. 
he gave us 500 pounds of muscat free. We added to our fooder, and it sat for about yeah, sat for about six months, um, and then we transitioned that into stainless dose pale apothecary yeast bottled. Um, one, we did another addition of great must in the half of that, and then we did a, so there's a single must and a double must. Um, both dose of the apothecary culture that's going to sit for about six months and just kind of go through its life cycle, much like Ruby did, but with that wood component to start. That sounds amazing. Yeah, it's going to be crazy. <laughs> it's, I mean, I can't even imagine what that beer is going to taste like. And then we just, we just passed a, a second use, so we did a, another base saison on the grape that we used for that. So another the 500 pounds of muscat grape, got another tart saison on top of it that just... It picked up this crazy like notes and oh, what'd you get me? I know this is this is a part of the segment where we, we come in and we ask guess your beer. <laughs> guess the beer. Yeah, uh, but yeah. So we did a second. So those three beers, uh, I think the first one's going to be in that 500 mil format. It's going to come out. Uh, the working name for that, which I think we're going forward with, is again and again, kind of like reference to continually stressing that fruit and like trying to draw everything we can out of it um, because that second use just brings a whole another life to it. We did that with um, uh, Harmony of Spheres if you remember that beer. That was a blueberry barrel aged beer blended with our 2015 Creek. I don't think I had that. Okay. It sounds like something I'd like to drink. Yeah, I, don't think I have like it. two bottles of it left. Uh, and that went back on the cherries that we used for the Creek so we wanted to kind of play with that. Um, so you're like reuse, reduce, recycle? <laughs> Basically. I mean, the you might as well get everything you can out of that fruit if it's still got something to yeah. offer. And that's that's kind of like one of Rowan and Isaac's like big thing is like how do we get creative about it? And I think that goes back to that like lack of resources. Like how do you make a lack of resources work to your benefit? Um, yeah. And I think that's, we've done a good job of, of doing that as we kind of build up and, and gain speed there. Um, I forgot what the original question was. Oh, yeah, so we. Yeah, yeah, so we did 500 format, moving to 750s. Um, we're doing some stuff in the 375 still, but uh, like the one in there right now is just a nice tart table beer uh, that we just really wanted to do to test out some yeast strains that we liked and really liked one of the products we got. We cropped it up, blended that into a Saison we had brewed, and then bottled it. And it's gonna, it might get some distro, but like we really wanted it to be like a spot on the board that's like, hey, I'll have that, and we crack a bottle for somebody and pour it. Doesn't yeah. always have to be what you're ordering off the board. Doesn't have to be draft. Like there's extra layers in that conditional product Literally. that we want to thank you. <laughs> that we want to like display for everybody. Well, um, I think the other question I had is like, I don't really know much about Urban Family's background, and actually today is the first day when you said it's a swing. When oh, I realized yeah. that it was a swing, I just oh, thought it was yeah. a U. <laughs> oh, interesting. I guess that's I, I, maybe... I thought yeah. it was a... So you mean, I could see the swing right away. Yeah, that's that's the designer's from. probably intent. Uh, I just thought it was yeah. a U, and I was yeah. like, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> it's a bench swing. If you look at like the old, old logo, so when I... Before I was involved with... This is Madam, by the way. I got it. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, I was still swinging. And he named yeah. that beer. Yeah. Uh... So when they started, they started as more of a brew pub, and they were, just, or they were trying to put on East Coast beers that didn't necessarily make it make their way out there. Um, their logo was very different, but they had like a porch swing up in the brew pub. 
Uh, then they got a small brewing system, started putting some stuff on draft, and then moved over here and expanded the system out to the seven barrel or the ten barrel, depending on how you treat it, uh, that we have now. And went through a couple of equipment upgrades, and that's when I joined. So they, they kind of formed a lot of this stuff. Uh-oh. <laughs> Hanging around on the bench. Uh, they kind of formed a lot of this stuff before I, I was involved, but I was always kind of aware. Like, I gone to the brew pub a lot. Um, when me and my wife bought our house over here, uh, we drove past, and the first sign we saw was the beer sign with the arrow. Came down here, and this is where we came, like, every other day to, like, grab a beer and hang out. So I made friends with those guys, um, and then they... Uh, kind of transitioned. Uh, they wanted to move back to the East Coast. They had other kind of plans for, for what they wanted to do professionally. And uh, I kind of worked up, you know, taking over uh, ownership and, and operations and things like that, kind of revamping the team. So, yeah. I think I just changed your question into whatever I wanted to talk about. Which is great. No, you, I <laughs> my question that. was, how did Aaron family come to be? Yeah, and you yeah, just yeah. answered it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, so... Basically, that's that's the long and short of it. We could go into the crazy details, but uh, for the most part, it was like, you know, I came in at a time where uh, it was fledgling. Uh, I think we were kind of struggling for direction and things like that. And I, I believed in the product and what was coming out of here and like that it, it was quality. Uh, it just needed a couple things to kind of put it into place. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, we're, we're a quarter of the way there. We want to keep going and keep progressing and, um, yeah, see where it goes. Did we even tell our listeners that we are in an active brewery? <laughs> we, are, we are live, uh, hanging out here in the tap room, so let, let it be known. But in the tap room where there's almost no dissociation from the actual brewery. Yeah. <laughs> we are next to a tiny so little wood You hear a lot of background noise. Yeah, and we are brewing right now, yeah. too. And there are like 20 And through all of our discussions, the question I had, I had, you had answered early early on, and it was for distribution, so okay. you kind of kick it out because we were yeah. thinking of a question to ask, I was going to do that, because prior to living here, I was living in South, I was a beer, a beer buyer in South Texas, oh, and wow. we got some, you know, it, it's funny, because we got death to cereal down there, okay. a, a little bottle shop got, got death to cereal, I thought it was, I had never heard of Urban Family at the time, and um, so I thought it was a, a Texas brewery, and uh, someone explained, they're like, oh, they're from Seattle, and I was like, oh, you know, I guess they're as big as, like, bigger than Fremont, probably, because they distribute, you know, and, and that, that, that's what I was going to ask you, because I was like, yeah. everywhere else I went in Texas, other than, like, Jester King, uh, that brewery will have some Urban Family bottles on site, yeah. but everywhere else, every every bottle shop I went to never had Urban Family. So I was like, "How did we get huh. like you know cases upon cases of death to cereal?" And you know, in this market, this is this is a market where like, I mean, South Texas, where it was a market where it was small, it was very up and coming, still up and coming. Yeah. And it, you know, it was a point where like most case, most beer releases, like rare release, beer releases would be split between like two regions of that market and that that's how small it was so for us to be getting these cases of urban family i was just huh. I, I thought it was like a distribution thing and i, and I was going to ask you where you know how far distribution is and if y'all yeah. plan to expand yeah as you said earlier it's actually cutting down a bit yeah so we so my original partners had set up a deal with a texas distributor through uh one of their old sales reps that worked in washington she had known somebody in Texas, hooked them up, and the 
this guy. I was like, yeah, let's, let's bring your product down. So they started that relationship, which branched to another distributor in Oklahoma. Uh, so they originally were just Washington, Texas, Oklahoma, which is very strange. <laughs> yeah. uh, but, I mean, hey, it worked. Given the Ron Extracts move, it seems to be a trend. No, 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 it was, it was like the funniest thing. I mean, because there would just be like a lot of like local beer, a lot of like small craft breweries in Texas. Mm-hmm. And then there's just these bottles upon bottles. Cause they, it was cases, and I'm pretty sure I know who you're talking about because the, the same gentleman that, you know, would tell me like, oh, bring this in, bring this in, and I was like, it's not even in our system. Like, I can't bring it in. It was not in our system, so they were just like shipping it, and it was only like at the distributors. Like, it, it, it would be like, here, here's a new account. You know, take this stuff. Got and it was kind of like that. And I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. So that's why I first tried Death and Cereal, and we moved out here. I was like, oh, I get to try it straight from the source. Never made it up until now. So, nice. awesome, I'm here. Nice. But yeah. As far as distribution, that was my question. Yeah. You, you would answer those early on. So. And then we went. So from the Texas and. Oklahoma. Uh, <laughs> uh, from Texas and Oklahoma, they also distributed 12% products, so 12% imports, who does like Evil Twin, Omnipoyo, Blackberry Farms, those guys. Uh, they hooked us up with them, they introduced us to them, and so we have a distribution relationship with them everywhere but basically Washington, Oregon, Texas, Oklahoma. Um, the beer you see in any other state goes through 12%, and we're, uh, that's a great relationship to have, he's a, a great guy, and like, it's cool to be like a 12% 12% owned by, um, the guy from Evil Twin? They're, they're like partners, or I don't exactly know the, like, nature of their relationship, but they work very closely, so, Yepa, who owns Evil Twin, also owns an export business to Europe, I believe, and then exports... 12% products that way and vice versa. So I, I wanted to meet Yepa for quite some time now. Yeah, so he's a cool guy. This is a thing that can happen at some point, let me know. Yeah, we, should have, we should shoot him an email and get him Let's out here. do a collab, I guess. Yeah, man. Uh, yeah, he's a really nice guy. It's funny, I was in a, I was in San Francisco and we were doing like a 12% event with a distributor down there. And uh, it was at Seven Stills, have you ever heard of those guys? Mm. So they like grew they brew beer and then they distill it. So what? they have beer and then they have the whiskey or whatever that's distilled from their beer. Super cool that's setup. That's crazy. Yeah, so we were doing like a bottle pour there and, oh man, what was the... Oh, it was like, I think they were pouring bottles of like even more Jesus. Yep. <clears throat> so I grabbed one and I went up and I said, hey, yep, and I was just like, it's great. And he was like, oh yeah, do you like it? And I was like, I don't even care if I like it. Like, this is... Like whatever, like it's yeah, just yeah. cool to like talk. Like it's cool to see he's like a humble dude that's just like, oh, I hope you like my beer. Well, so we were doing an Evil Twin event this last summer, and I had the audacity to email him, and I got a response from Yep, and I was yeah. just like, this guy would take the time like to just email his random little bottle shop back. I was like, hey Yep, we're doing an Evil Twin event. If you happen to be on the West Coast, want to come? Let me know. And he was like, oh, sorry, I'm gonna be in Denmark for a beer event. But thanks for inviting me. And I was like, awesome. it was so cool. And I was like, I want to meet this guy. <laughs> That's some humbleness for sure. Yeah. Very humble, yeah. So yeah, we we have a little bit going to 12% right now. We're kind of trying to struggle. We're struggling with how well the taproom is doing, how well our Washington distributor, Oregon distributor. Those three things are like taking all of my attention. I'm trying to yeah. stress our brewers and equipment. Like our sellermen are quickly becoming assistant brewers right now. Um, so our brewers can focus on recipe writing and acquisition and things like that. Um, but yeah, we're like 
seeing how far we can stretch what we have, and hopefully we're going to have more tanks by the end of the month. By the end of the month? Wow. Yeah. Uh, so we'll, then, we'll make a trip back out here soon then. Yeah, 47 more yeah, wild girls. We'll side by side. I want to come out for that Ill Apothecary collab. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's something we'll definitely do. That sounds pretty amazing. Hopefully in the, like, dead of winter. Hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so tons of, yeah, we're very excited about this. <laughs> that is exciting stuff. Well, Andy, thanks for your time, man. We Thank know you, you have yeah, an actual it. brew to run here. <laughs> we hit you up with such short notice. Yeah. I'm really, really stoked to, to be out here and uh, You're our do first, a brew uh, here. Our first beer on the pod. Yeah. So <laughs> um, yeah, really love your beer. Really love your vision. Always inspiring. And, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll keep pushing and you keep brewing. Try my best. <laughs> Thanks again, yeah. All right, thanks, uh, listeners. To our listeners, come out to Urban Family out here in Seattle if you get a chance. Go to your local water shop, pick up some solid beer. Um, yeah, they're, they're doing great stuff. Definitely uh, some people to look at here on the horizon, for sure. Uh, thanks for listening to Brew Coven. Uh, stay tuned for more bottle chips.